you have anything to say about the the minor characters? You know, your Qui-Gons, Yodas. Uh, fuck Qui-Gon. Uh, I like Yoda better as a goofy little green goblin. Uh, <laughs> Count Dooku didn't get enough screen time because, again, Christopher Lee was fucking wasted. I have no idea who the fuck Mace Windu is. And fuck Jar Jar Binks! <laughs> I hate Jar Jar Binks so fucking much. Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm considering becoming a Sith Lord. And this week, we return to the galaxy far, far away as we watch the Star Wars prequels. Before we get coarse, rough sand everywhere, remember you can help us on Mortified Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, setting up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr, at MortifiedPod. Layla. Mm-hmm. Hey, buddy. Uh, a long, long time ago... Uh, in this galaxy, we watched the Star Wars original trilogy. That was back in, in March, I want to say. And, sure. um, you know, it seemed like you enjoyed them a, a reasonable amount. Um, and I'm wondering, now that we have completed the first six, how you are feeling ab- mm-hmm. about your Star Wars fandom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will say the, uh, this set was, uh, uh, was a bunch of thinkers, these movies. They're thinkers. Um, I'm. I think I would call myself a fan. I think. I think before I was a casual enjoyer, and now I'm invested. Um, that in the same way that I think any modern fan is invested in anything, which is to say that I kind of hate parts of it. See, that's how you know you're a real Star Wars fan, is if you don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I really like what it's trying to do, but I don't like how it's doing it. Uh, so there's a podcast that I've probably shouted out before called um, A More Civilized Age, which is um, a lot of folks from Waypoint Radio uh, talking about the Star Wars, Clone Wars, uh, specifically the you know the, the CG series. Um, mm-hmm. But... Um, you know, I'll be drawing a lot of insights from them, but I think they, they sum it up the best when they say that the reward for watching the Star Wars prequels is getting to think about the Star Wars prequels. Uh, because they do, like you said, have a lot of interesting stuff going on. They just don't do it that well. Yeah, we'll get into it. You want to you yeah. just get into it? Yeah, Layla, do you want to summarize uh, briefly the three movies that we watched? Sure. So just like overall, the Star Wars prequels are the origin story of Darth Vader. So they center around uh, Luke and Leia's dad, Anakin Skywalker, uh, the seminal builder of C-3PO, my least favorite droid of all time. Uh, And so in the first movie, we meet Anakin as a little boy, and uh, he's like a star pilot on Tatooine, and he's a slave along with his mom to the Hutts. Um, or not to the huts. To Watto is is the the slaver's name, um, and he gets pulled out of that because he has a really high concentration of midi chlorians and is maybe the chosen one to balance the force. 
Um, he gets uh, uh, wagered upon and thus taken out of slavery by Qui-Gon, who is Obi-Wan's mentor. In the second movie, we see um, a 19-year-old Hayden Christensen now playing Anakin Skywalker. Um, and it's more about uh, the build-up to this uh, war between the Republic and the Trade Federation. And it has a lot more to do with... Um, Padme, uh, who is played by Natalie Portman in both films, and she is uh, she was in the first one too, but she is the starts out as the Queen of Naboo and then becomes the Senator for Naboo because the Queen is democratically elected there, and uh, she she <laughs> hit her term limit, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> um, Can't believe they term limited Padme. God, term limited Queen. This Padme's. is why democracy dies. <laughs> to thunderous applause. Um, and then uh, there's also Chancellor Palpatine, who if you're like, Palpatine, that's ringing bells. Yep, that's one. That's the one. That's the Palpatine. Um, and he is the poorly disguised Darth Sidious, um, who if you like look at his chin at all, it's just, you know, it's just Darth Sidious. Um, and he's uh, befriending young Anakin. And then in the third movie, uh, there's this conflict between the Trade Federation and the Republic. And uh, they refer to the people who side with the Trade Federation as the Separatists. And in this war, Anakin uh, is now having the same nightmares he was having in the second movie about his mother dying. And his mother did die because Padme is pregnant and he sees her dying in childbirth. Um, and so... Uh, uh, I. God, the third movie's hard to summarize because I found it kind of boring, but basically the, the Jedi Council has Anakin spy on Palpatine. Palpatine has Anakin spy on the Jedi Council. Uh, Anakin's faith is tested, and he ends up uh, becoming Darth Sidious slash Palpatine's apprentice, Darth Vader, in order to save Padme. Padme dies anyway. Um, so those are the three films, um, basically. Yeah, no, I, I do mean, a that's, good job. You did a great job. Uh, great. You know, th- these are, there's a lot of heavy lore and world building and names in in these these first three the prequel movies. So I think you did an admirable job. Um, as for the characters, let's actually save young young Skywalker for our last because I think we're gonna have the most to talk about. Um, let's I was talk literally about, gonna I, ask you to to save him, <laughs> so I'm glad you read my mind. Yeah, um, let's talk about his mentor, um, Obi Wan Kenobi. We got a bit of him in the uh, the original trilogy as as Ben Kenobi, you know, Luke's mentor and spirit guardian. Um, how did you feel about Ewan McGregor's portrayal of this character? I think he did a good job. I enjoyed I enjoyed Ben Kenobi uh, as uh, or Ewan McGregor as, as Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, I did hate the rat tail that was terrible, um, and I thought he did a really good job. He was doing his best with the material, which <laughs> was trying. Um, and uh, I liked his performance, um, though all of the characters in these films, in my opinion, have like really inconsistent um behavior sometimes i think padme is kind of the worst anakin's second worst obi-wan is like consistent but the movie can't decide if he's like a dad or if he's like a cool dad so it's just kind of he's doing his best with it but um i I thought he really shined in the third one um especially against general grievous 
Yes, I think Ewan McGregor is, you know, just an absolute hero for for working through these three movies. And I think he had a lot of fun if you, you know, dig deep into the back, you know, the behind the scenes stuff. Like he he genuinely enjoys doing Star Wars and getting to be like a Jedi Knight. So I'm I'm glad that of all of them, I feel like Ewan McGregor probably had the most fun in these films. Yeah, I can, though, anytime anybody says Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is why I'll probably keep calling him Ben Kenobi, anytime anybody says Obi-Wan, I just think of that Carrie Fisher tweet that's just like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, whoever the fuck you are, (laughs) you're my only hoe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's it's all I can think about, so I have to call him Ben Kenobi if I want to take him seriously. Great, good. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about the senator from Naboo, uh, Padme? Uh, she was really cool in the first two movies, and the third movie, her only job was to be, like, soft and pregnant, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Basically does jack shit in the third one, which is, uh, very unfortunate, um, especially when you compare her to Leia, right, her, her daughter, because, uh, if you remember from our last episode, uh, Leia was your favorite character out in the entire franchise, and I suspect probably still is. Mm, my angel Leia, absolutely, yes, just to, yeah, it's funny because i feel like luke takes after his mom more and leia takes after anakin a little bit more um (laughs) we can get into that later but uh yeah padme had some good shit in the first movie where she was just like i really like that she was her own handmaiden like the actual queen kira knightley was like a distraction um and she was running around as a handmaiden just like doing cool shit i like that she's constantly disappointed that's really fun that's a fun (laughs) character uh moment uh she's just constantly muttering just she's like this is so fucking dumb these jedis fucking fucking (laughs) jedi what the hell i'm the only Um, competent person here yeah (laughs) (laughs) she is um and i thought her best character moment was when uh anakin couldn't go after obi-wan to go help obi-wan and he was captured and padme was like okay well your job is to protect me and I'm going to go help Ben Kenobi. So, like, mm, I think you're supposed to come with me then. So, um, yeah, I really love Padme, but she did get super shafted in the third one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a huge waste. I mean, that is a, a, a thing that happens in these uh, in these movies is that they get these incredible actors and then absolutely squander them. It's, it's really sad. Well, um, some of them are incredible. I mean, I, yes, I'm talking about Ewan McGregor, uh, you know, Natalie Portman, <laughs> fucking, um, God, who plays Count Dooku? Um, Christopher Lee. Of course, yes, Christopher Lee. I mean, like, that dude is, like, you know, been an actor his whole goddamn life, and he does, you know, he does an incredible job for the material he's given to, and they just do, they kill him within the first, like, 20 minutes of the first, of the third movie. It's just like, why? Why would you do this? Uh, well, I mean, they also have Ian McDermott giving... Like, if you want to talk about... We can just talk about Palpatine now. Yeah, this is our uh, next transition. Uh, Ian McDermott... I cannot remember who was talking about this performance, but they I think it was Jenny Nicholson talking about Star Wars Episode Nine when he returns as Palpatine. And she's just like, he is giving the hammiest performance. Like, he is having a blast. And, like, that's what's fun to watch in these movies is, like, Ian McDermott and... Um, occasionally uh uh ewan mcgregor just like hamming it up because these are just like goofy space operas like yes like they have some serious stuff they get at but like these are space wizards you know have a little bit of fun with it yeah i mean uh, palpatine is such an interesting figure because like you know he 
he's just like a straight up like bad you know big bad guy who's sort of pulling all the strings but like if you even take like five seconds to try to figure out what his plan was it's complete nonsense like it doesn't make any sense at all um well it's like that tiktok you sent me um or is it you who about like the plan to assassinate Padme in the first movie or in the second movie and how many fucking layers it has? Yes, there I'll link the TikTok, but basically it's like okay, so Palpatine wants to assassinate Padme, but he doesn't want to do it himself. So he sends uh fucking Count Dooku to do it. But Count Dooku doesn't want to do it himself. <laughs> so he sends Jango Fett to do it. But Jango Fett doesn't want to do it himself. So he sends another bounty hunter. Uh, but that bounty hunter doesn't want to do it herself. So he sends a droid. But that droid doesn't want to do it herself. <laughs> so the droid sends a pair of centipedes to do it. Um, yeah, I've... Uh, God, people shit on the second movie, but I think it's actually really good. <laughs> I really like the second movie. And then, like, if you think about the plot of the first movie for five seconds, the entire thing is uh, they need to kidnap Padme to make an invasion legal. What the... You're... It's an invasion! What the fuck are you talking about, Genies, to sign a treaty to make it legal? What? <laughs> it's it's really dumb. Uh, listen, I don't understand the logistics of the first movie at all. I just remember that Windows XP-ass battlefield, and I was like, I'm sold. I like this. And that color palette comes back on Naboo in the second movie during their little love montage. Yeah, it's a very green planet with rolling hills that are featureless. With um, really blue Windows XP skies. Yeah, it rules. Um, do you have anything to say about the the minor characters? You know, your Qui-Gons, Yodas. Uh, fuck Qui-Gon. Uh, I like Yoda better as a goofy little green goblin. Uh, <laughs> Count Dooku didn't get enough screen time because, again, Christopher Lee was fucking wasted. I have no idea who the fuck Mace Windu is. And fuck Jar Jar Binks! <laughs> I hate Jar Jar Binks so fucking much. I I went into these movies an innocent little lamb, and I was like, guys, there's no way he's that bad. You know, I hear a lot of, of goof bad talk about Jar Jar Binks. It's kind of a meme to hate Jar Jar Binks. And I was like, nah, 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 nah. Not to cite Jenny Nicholson twice in, in one fucking podcast, but when she was talking about the land before time and how Petrie is never allowed to outgrow his cowardice and it makes him an incredibly frustrating character to watch, that, Jar Jar Binks is like that to the nth degree. Like, when he was, I have never been more anxious than when Jar Jar Binks was working on Baby Anakin's Pod Racer. I was like, who is letting? He told you he got fucking kicked out of a city because he's quote unquote clumsy, and you're letting him. You're a child's Pod Racer. I hate Jar Jar Binks. I I can't even. That that's all I need to say. But I can't. I hate him. My favorite thing about Jar Jar Binks, uh, oh, besides boy. the uh, Darth Jar Jar theory that our our good friend and listener Max uh, likes to Layla, um, is that um, Jar Jar is actually pivotal in the in the destruction of the Republic because he is because he becomes like a stand-in when Padme takes her like uh, you know pregnancy leave. He gets like her voting powers in the Senate, and Palpatine basically tricks him into using her vote to authorize the creation of the Republic's clone army, um, which is very funny because they introduce Padme in the at movie as being a part of a coalition that explicitly does not want the Republic to have an army. Uh, so Jar Jar is like actually one of the worst people in the Star Wars galaxy. Oh my God, he's also just insufferable to watch. I literally I hate Jar Jar Binks. 
And here, here's the thing, uh, Ahmed Best, the actor who played Jar Jar Binks, like, gets a lot of hate for playing that character, but it is absolutely not his fault. Um, you know, Ahmed Best is a very, he knew exactly what Lucas wanted out of that performance, and unfortunately, like, that's just, that's all George just being like, yeah, no, this is a, this is a show for kids, so we gotta be incredibly silly and stupid and, and talk like a weird, you know, bad person, uh, and it sucks. <laughs> Again, the performance was f- great. I the per- it's, it's just like you said. It's exactly what Mr. Lucas wanted. The problem is that Mr. Lucas wanted something terrible that should have never been inflicted on the fucking world. Speaking of something terrible that should never be inflicted on the world, let's talk about Anakin Skywalker. Uh, Layla, I, I, you are no, you know notoriously. In our last episode, you made the claim and drew several charts to support the claim that Darth Vader was, quote, shaped like a friend. Mm-hmm. Would you now, following up, uh, claim that Anakin Skywalker is shaped like a friend? The Darth Vader mask and costume remains friend-shaped, round and friendly. Absolutely. Even the triangles on the Darth Vader mask are rounded. Yes, I stand by that. Is Anakin Skywalker the man underneath the mask friend-shaped? Anakin Skywalker is bastard-shaped, is what he is. (laughs) Shaped like an incel. Shaped? He's like sand. He is coarse and rough, and he gets it from Alright, yeah, so, um, poor Jake Lloyd and poor Hayden Christensen, probably some of the most maligned actors in American cinema history, uh, did unfortunately play Anakin Skywalker, and, you know, listen, nobody delivers their lines incredibly (laughs) in this franchise, um, but, you know, Christensen was a young actor at the time, so, you know, he struggled a little bit, but, like, Again, I really want to want to not, you know, put hate on on the actors because they were just given the worst shit to say, and there was not a Harrison Ford around to be like, "I'm not doing this, George. What are you talking about?" That's but that's the problem, isn't it? That the thing they're doing their best. Like I'm not listen, Mr. Christensen. I think you did fine. It was fine. You know, it was. You you did the problem is that Anakin Skywalker's three fucking characters. There is no consistent characterization for Anakin or Padme ever at all. So he's he has to be JD from Heather's, and he has to be a cool pilot, and he has to be this like big romantic hero, and he can't be all three of those things because those are three different ideas. So he's doing his best. The problem is also that he is getting the shit. I don't want to call him the shittiest or iconic. The wildest fucking lines I've ever heard spoken in a piece of mass market cinema. Yeah, um, the prequels have become, you know, memed to death because of some of the, the words that they say. Um, I mean, were there any lines that particularly stood out to you? Because, like, I'll I'll defend the fucking, you know, this is how democracy dies with thunderous applause. Like, that's one of my favorite lines in Star Wars. I think that rules. I like that line. I hate the context it's set in. The context it's set in is bad because, again, they just sort of throw Natalie Portman in there and be like, oh, we forgot about her. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, exactly. So, like, the context sucks, but the line itself is really good. Um, 
Let's see, let's scroll through my notes, which I'm sure Aaron was having just, a, they've become increasingly unhinged. Yeah, the um, whole, you just wrote a fan fiction in the third <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just don't like the endings of any of the three trilogies, apparently. Um, uh, I guess I didn't quote anything, huh? I mean, the sand line is just kind of like infamously funny. Um, power, unlimited power wild a wild <laughs> thing good. to say out loud um it's just the dialogue is sometimes just stilted you know a little bit but it's again it's a little stilted yeah it's just oh and anakin did did his best um but I, I think you're right in that he is characterized in such a way as that like he cannot be we know where his arc ends like so he you know he ha- does have to have this inevitable decline but we also have to sort of like him and the thing about these movies is that there is a there is an alternate universe you know the good timeline in which like we get this struggle between you know anakin being like the jedi are supposed to be paragons of justice and peace but when he actually joins them he sees that the council is like unwilling to like actually help and end slavery or other actual injustices in the in the galaxy and like that their unwillingness to actually do anything in the republic's ineffectual you know status is is somehow what eventually turns him to be you know darth vader because he genuinely thinks he's doing good um instead we get we almost i mean that's the thing they almost get there God, but also so he does just massacre just like a ton of kids and also indigenous uh tattoo <laughs> tattooing um tuscan raiders so god they're so close they're so close to the point right because so okay it starts kind of going downhill when so Ankan's mom right they couldn't for some godforsaken reason, they couldn't free her as well, right? Like, Qui-Gon, in all his wisdom, for some reason, couldn't also figure out how to make enough money for the mom, couldn't promise to come back for the mom, couldn't just, hey, fucking take the mom. Because guess what? The last time they saw the mom was in Watto's, not what, sorry, was not in Watto's shop. It was in her house. She's not shackled or guarded. Take her and C-3PO and fucking go so they explain they do say that like oh yeah we they put a tracker in your skin um here's the thing is that qui-gon jinn's a fucking space wizard if he wanted to get that out he absolutely could have like it's you know it's so stupid that they don't just like he doesn't just like hey wado i have a laser sword i'm taking this woman bye I don't see a universe in which you don't sit Shmi skywalker down and at the rate that people are losing their fucking hands in this movie go hey can I make a tiny incision in your skin to pull this fucking chip out? Or at worst, hey, can I just force pull this chip out through your skin? I don't see a universe in which Shmi Skywalker wouldn't be like, uh, yeah, free me. <laughs> Let me go be with my son while he Jedi trains, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, they leave her on, on Tatooine. And it's never, it's only ever brought up again in the context of Anakin It has nightmares about Shmi dying, which she does die. She's captured by readers. And then he starts having these nightmares about Padme dying in childbirth. And instead of using his mother's death as an anchor into the fact that the Jedi aren't actually doing good on the scale that they think they're doing good and that he can't trust the Jedi with the Padme thing, he has to go 
elsewhere for the Padme thing, they don't use that as an anchor at all. It just becomes this, like, well, I had dreams about my mom dying, so, like, now I have dreams about you dying, so obviously that's going to come true, too. And it's just like, yeah, you're, you're this close to the point, and you're just letting it go. Like, that's the thing, though. Like, they do spend a lot more time with Anakin and Palpatine having these conversations, but I don't think it's enough. It They don't contra- contrast Palpatine being like, okay, here's the thing. I'm a Sith Lord. I, or, you know, I can I have these abilities and powers. I can actually help save your, your wife. I mean, they tried to get that, but they never show it. Palpatine's never like, hey, let me just, uh, you know you know stop this person from dying i have that magic power he never manifests it and like we never see the jedi like openly be like okay actually we care more about the war than actually ending injustice and like you know we don't see obi-wan like try try to reach out and like you realize that like anakin it has a point when he when he confronts the the jedi council and is like hey you know these things are a problem like it just they it, it just almost goes up there they're like like you know, 10 feet away from the touchdown line. And then they're just like, let's go do something completely different. (laughs) Right. And the Obi-Wan thing you mentioned too is interesting because like Anakin isn't dangerous in the eyes of the Jedi council because he's too powerful. Anakin is dangerous in the eyes of the Jedi council because he's unpredictable. He's a little bit chaotic. So like when, when uh, uh, Qui-Gon brings him around, they're like, Hey, We can't see his future, and he's really strong, so, like, that's spooky to us. But in the third movie, I think part of the reason the Palpatine thing falls flat is because no one is taking advantage of Anakin as a chaos agent. And the Obi-Wan thing you just brought up is relevant because what would be worse than Obi-Wan coming to the council going, actually, I think he's right, like, what are we doing? And then being like, not only is he unpredictable on his own terms, but he's corrupting you, right? Mm-hmm. So Palpatine trusts him and he's corrupting you, and that would that would be more of a tension. But, like, Anakin's relationship with the Jedi Council and with Obi-Wan is never established enough in a positive light. Like, it's shown kind of positive, but everything Anakin says makes Obi-Wan sound like a nagging dad. So then Palpatine doesn't really have enough... Like, there's not enough of, like, a contrast for Palpatine's whole thing to be effective. Like, it's all just very... Like you said, like, ten feet away. It's, like, it's like right there. Like, if you would just... Just three more steps and you would get it. But it just, it's so close, it's frustrating. And that's why they have these extra, like, Clone Wars series. Like, both the Tartakovsky's and the one done by um, Filoni. Dave Filoni. Jesus. Um, But, like, they have these series that try to fill that out because, like, they never actually show enough in the shows and the movies. And it's just like, (laughs) if only the movies had actually done the thing, they'd be good movies. (laughs) Well, that's why I found, like, Knights of the Old Republic 2 so interesting is because every, like, as I was watching Anakin in these movies, I was like, oh, I get why Knights of the Old Republic happened now. Because Knights of the Old Republic does what I think the prequels were, like, kind of trying to get at, which is that you have a protagonist that is powerful and sees the fault in the Jedi Order, specifically Knights of the Old Republic 2. Uh, one is, like... F- uh, 
this is like a lot of forceful lobotomy shit, which is wild. But, <laughs> you were the um, you were Darth Vader the whole time. Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! And now you get to deal with the fact that you were forcefully lobotomized and either evil or good in the eyes of the Jedi Order. But you know, whatever. But in Knights of the Old Republic too, um, you have a, a the exile who was exiled because they did something so, uh, so destructive on such a massive scale that their uh, connection to the Force was just like severed, and now they're a Force void basically. And so the Jedi are afraid of that and they sent them away. But the, the interesting thing about the way Coder 2 is, is structured is that you still get to choose how you use your kind of like slowly rebuilding link to the Force and if uh, uh, how you kind of guide your team of misfits. Um, and the thing is, is that the light side of the Force and the dark side of the Force, the... the like, it's when you're making moral decisions in the moment, sometimes the dark side things are the quote-unquote right thing to do, right? The violent thing to do, the passionate thing to do. Um, and it's just interesting because it feels like that's the direction Anakin should have maybe gone in. Like, even if he was Darth Vader, maybe, maybe giving him an opportunity to be like, hey... I want to use this power to help people in like a like a chaotic good kind of way, um, but then, you know, misconstruing it or whatever. Um, there's, there's a lot of directions this could have gone in, but it just it just having him pivot to evil and then Padme dying and going like, "There's still some good in him. I know it." It's just stupid, you know. It's it's mm-hmm. it's so heavy handed for like the genuinely good points these movies almost made. Yes, they would have made. I think they would have made a lot better points if they didn't have to have an unnecessary action sequence that lasted between 30 and 40 minutes in each film. Um, oh, I skipped through parts of those. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's completely fair. Um, but let's talk about them anyway. Um, how do you think the, the CG held up? Like, how did you think the perf- uh, the appearance of these films was? I mean, they're, you know, you know, over 20 years old, for some of them at this point. So how did you how did you feel about them? Um, I really miss the practicals. I really find practicals charming. Um, mm-hmm. but that being said, the first one was fine. It held up fine. The second one held up fine. There was some like really obvious green screen stuff. Um, the third one was funny because it is like the early 2000s or where CGI like really started taking leaps and bounds. And so the quality between two and three is like such a fucking leap. And, like, uh, General Grievous is entirely CGI. He looks great. He looks awesome, yeah. He looks dope as hell. Yeah, four lightsabers? Fuck me up. That's that's dope. I love that shit. That's <laughs> His action sequence was really cool. The fight with, with uh, Grievous. Grievous, again, criminally underused. I think he rules. Um, but, yeah, like... Uh, who I plays think him? Oh, I don't know he, who the voice actor for Grievous is. Hey, Google. A Kirby Morrow at one point played him. The same voice actor as Moroku from Inuyasha. Oh, um, Matthew Russell Wood. He's he's had several, um, yeah, in, in his various incarta- incarnations. But yeah, um, yeah. No, Grievous is a very interesting character, and like I I do think that you're right. Like I like I like the third one a lot better because the CGI does just take such a huge improvement. Um, but like, uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff just like visually in in these movies. Like I think the costumes are all really neat. Like in in episodes you know 
uh, four through six, like they're all just sort of like, you know, dusty and like you can tell they're they're like rebels. Like only Leia really has like nice clothes. Like everybody else is either wearing armor or just like whatever clothes they could find because they're they're in like this you know fight for their lives, scrapping against the big empire. But like you know, all of Padme's outfits are just really really cool. I feel um just extravagant and stupid, and I love them so much. Yeah, no, Padme, Padme has some looks, uh, though, I mean, you read my notes, I do disagree with the way she was dressed in, in the uh, love <laughs> sequence on Naboo, because those are fuck me outfits, and uh, her outfits are saying fuck me, and her mouth is saying, no, Anakin, we can't, which I'm like, y'all, <sighs> you're again so close. Mm-hmm. so close to, to it but you just didn't uh, and also they dressed Anakin like a mall goth which I thought was very funny <laughs> I, I really want the version of the sequ- of, of this prequels where Padme just comes out in like sweatpants and a hoodie <laughs> constantly when she's <laughs> hanging out with Anakin she's like hey what's up Annie <laughs> sweatpants and a hoodie or just like a morph suit <laughs> just tea just posing yeah I mean like I really like there's a couple outfits that I thought were really great but like leather corset and leather skirt is a hard thing to to wear when you're trying to be like Anakin we would ruin our lives mm-hmm. but also yeah. this is the most cleavage I've ever shown <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a little much but I just the, the prequels are I, uh, they're my Star Wars in many ways because, like, I wasn't old enough to, of course, watch the original Star Wars. Um, and, like, these came out when I was exactly in the right age range to watch Star Wars. Like, you know, I, I saw two and three in, in theaters, um, and I was psyched about them, and I didn't care about all the boring stuff because I was, you know, very young at the time. Um, and, like, uh, they're just sequences like that arena sequence I'd watch over and over again because I liked the big battles and I liked the fucking Acolyte, which is the green crab monster. That's still one of my favorite Star Wars monsters of all, all time. I just love that dude. Um... I, I just think that the prequels are so interesting because they are so, you know, divisive, but, like, they do very much say something. Um, and, like, there's been this renaissance, right, that talk about, like, whether or not the prequels, you know, were actually, you know, unfairly maligned. And, like, do you think that the prequels were good, actually? I hate to say it. I I, I absolutely do. Uh, I think they're good. I, I mean, like, listen, they're not... Listen, hey, hey, friend, they're not, like... You know, like, if you're going to sit someone down and be like, hey, I really want you to watch this movie, it probably shouldn't be Star Wars Episodes 1 through 3. However, if you're trying to get somebody to have a think about the Star Wars universe and they're already kind of invested and you're like, hey, I know you've heard some shit about the prequels, but I think you should actually watch them because they're actually not as bad as people say. They're actually fine and interesting, and they almost have a point. Then, yeah, I think I think, I think that's just the way that everybody in your life has pitched the prequels to you uh, <laughs> after you watch the original trilogy. Um, because I think that that's, you know, that's pretty actually, accurate. Most people who've preached the prequels to me uh, say, hey, they're a mess, but Padme's hot. And I'm like, great. <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong, but I think there's more to it than just Natalie Portman. Um, like, Not to me. That's okay. That's valid. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, I mean, we, we talked. No, it's Natalie Portman and Ian McDermott. Sorry, go ahead. There we go. Yeah. 
you know, but like like we were saying, you know, that 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 the Jedi are instead of like being these noble heroes that that Luke is told in in the first three movies, like they're actually kind of shitty cops. Um and like the whole conversation about like what democracy does in the face of creeping authoritarianism and how like you know these these half measures and depending on the you know inherent uh you know goodness of others is is not enough to save uh, a democratic state you know and then Anakin's arc just generally like we talked about earlier like how somebody can be morally compromised um and still want to do the right thing and you know end up end up in in a conflicting web of like trying to do the right thing even though every the things that he cares about and the things he's been taught his whole life are actually bad, like trying to figure out who, you know, whether or not the Jedi are actually evil or whether or not he's just trying to save his wife because he's been, you know, seeing these visions, but also like, he's also been taught some really fucked up shit by the Jedi. So it's hard to tell um, <laughs> how, how he should actually feel about compassion and love. So, you know, he, he doesn't know, but um, I, I do think that the prequels are super interesting and, I do wish that, you know, the memes are, are all well and good, but I do wish that people would try to take them more on their, you know, intellectual merits. I mean, that sounds pretentious, but I, I do genuinely mean it. Like, the idea that you, you know, you have a government that creates a whole, essentially, race of people to serve only as soldiers is so fascinating. Um, and I mean, it, it's certainly disturbing, but, like, I would love to see a Star Wars that dealt with the implications of that, like... I know in theory they're supposed to be the stormtroopers, but like not all the clones, you know, you know, are stormtroopers at the end. Like they're the stormtroopers went away at some point. Like what happens to all the clones who are who are still just like hanging around? Like I think that's such a fun premise. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing about Star Wars in like general is it in creating these space operas, there is this uh, tendency to railroad through a bunch of really interesting stuff and then leave the interesting stuff for like side properties to pick up on. Um, but that therein lies the problem with Star Wars as a just like generally a media entity, right? Because the reason I never got into it um, was because there's just too much and you don't know where to start. And everyone has different opinions on where you should start and different opinions on why the thing is enjoyable. Um, but it's just like getting to the interesting stuff requires waddling through a lot of chuff, you know? Um, now that we've fully expanded upon the lore of the first six movies, Layla, how would you rank them in, in terms of your enjoyment from uh, least to most? From least to most, you're okay. You're gonna make me do it backwards. Okay, I hate oh, you it. Can do it. You can do it the regular way. It's no, fine. you already prompted me. It's too late. I'm already okay. arranging them in my brain. Um, okay, so I liked the third one the least. I found it kind of boring. Um, I thought that it really did the worst job of like throwing away the concepts. The first two movies were kind of hard to set up. Um, then my second least favorite is the sixth movie, which is the ending of the first trilogy for similar reasons. It just kind of recycled the plot of the first movie or the fourth, the first Luke Skywalker movie. Yes. Um, and then following that, I think number, um, I think episode one following that, like it was fine. I liked it, but, uh, I didn't like it as much as, um, episode five, which is the 
second movie in the Luke Skywalker trilogy. I think that's when we got into like Han Solo and Leia, and Leia got to do more stuff. That was really fun. Um, following that is episode two, um, which I, I think was my favorite in this trilogy, just because similar reasons, like Padme gets stuff to do. We do the most exploring of uh, Luke, Anakin's relationship with the Jedi Order. And then my favorite movie is still four because I love dumbass Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's extremely fair. Um, now, why did you call my ranking a galaxy brain take is my question if I know. Just because in the popular consciousness, the second movie is, is the movie that most people hate, like the most out of all of them. Beca- because of the love sequence, because of that interminable, you know, droid factory action battle sequence, you know, because of the bad dialogue. Um, I'm just I'm just so pleased that you found enough interest in the ideas that that movie was that that had that you were able to, you know, see past all of that and be like, there's something here. Because also, like, you know, that was the that's probably the Star Wars movie I've watched the most, actually, is episode two, just because I had it on DVD when I was, you know eight or nine years old and i just watched it constantly so i am very pleased to hear that there is a number two defender out there yeah i mean i i just like i said in my notes a couple of times but uh i think the fact that my introduction to the star wars franchise with was knights of the old republic 2 has like permanently broken my brain <laughs> listen uh kotor is good and i think in many ways is you know better than the movies so definitely please check out those games they're they're not they're not expensive well you know, maybe only check them out if you're familiar with the concept of modding because they are old and kind of unplayable. That is also true. Um, Layla, if you Aaron. were... Oh boy. If you were to try to, perhaps, in in a minute, market uh-huh. to, to someone, perhaps oh the, the 2022 audience, a reboot or a remake of the Star Wars prequel franchise, uh, how, how do you think you would go about that? Huh. I mean, well, you already okay. wrote. You already rewrote number three. So, like, I mean, I don't know. I'm just wondering what changes you think you should make if you were trying to redo these movies and and send them over to a new audience. Oh my god. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I don't think we should redo them. Uh, <laughs> that's partially because I don't think that remakes are good. I'm tired of remakes. I don't want that's any fair. more remakes. Just like generally speaking. But also, I think I think it's bad if star wars has too much veneer on it like i think the reason i don't like the new trilogy which i have seen seven and eight um i think the reason i don't like it is because it's too visually polished for the fact that it's like a space opera about space wizards um so i like that the original or the prequel trilogy doesn't take itself very seriously i think it goes well with uh original trilogy in the sense that the original trilogy was thrown around party city masks for some of these aliens <laughs> um so if we were to market the original trilogy oh my god well okay well like <sighs> this is quite a thinker you've you've bestowed upon me what do we want people to like these movies for their ideas or because they're kind of goof shit it's up to you that's a lot of power. Uh, I'll tell you what I think we should do. Please do. Um, if I were to reboot the free, the the prequel franchise, uh, as I mean, there would be an ARG at some point, but um, that's of that's, course because you there is not a mortified marketing minute without an ARG. 
listen, it would be great, you know, it would it'd start with a cereal box and end with some sort of buried treasure in a desert somewhere. It would be great. Um, but uh, I think what I would do with these franchise, um, I think I would make it into... See, the thing is that... Star Wars has already been in Fortnite is the problem. Um, I was thinking I was going to turn them into like a... Listen, Ubisoft is going to turn Assassin's Creed into a uh, live service game. So I was thinking maybe we could just turn Star Wars into one of those, you know, like a Destiny uh, that just like constantly gets new updates and just delivers the narrative through various, uh, you know, shooter missions. Um, I, I think there's something there. Perhaps like, a, you know, an accompanying Netflix series to help convey the lore more thoroughly, but... I think that's something we could we could do. Yeah. Yeah, that's certainly that is an avenue. <laughs> um honestly, I think we should release a series of short YouTube videos with the actors today talking about their most iconic scenes. Like a reaction, like like a reaction YouTube channel. I yeah. want to see Ian McDermott sit down and talk about the scene where he's faking dying, uh, so that Anakin will feel bad for him and kill the Jedi Master. I want to, I want to know what it was like to lay there on his back with his chin in his neck, going, "Anakin, I can't hold on much longer." I want that. I want Ian McDermott to be like, "Yeah, that was really fun. Actually, that was cool." So. <laughs> That would be really, that would be genuinely endearing. Uh, that's a good time. I like that. Yeah. This is so hard to market because, like, <sighs> maybe we just need, like, a Kingdom Hearts-style inscrutable action trailer and then, like, a Kingdom Hearts-style inscrutable meme line trailer so that people can just, like, get whatever experience they want out of these movies, right? Because the reason, so I don't know if you remember Brave from 2008, the Pixar movie. I didn't like Brave very much when I first watched it because it was marketed completely wrong, right? Like it was marketed as a, um, like a mother-daughter adventure. Or no, sorry, it was marketed as a, uh, a adventure movie about like changing your fate, but it was actually like a mother-daughter story. Mm-hmm. And that annoyed me because that's not what I went to the movies for that day. Yeah. And uh, I think that the 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 marketing effort for a, let's say like a redistribution of the original trilogy in the theaters would have to be a multi-pronged effort to get both the people who want to laugh at these movies and the people who want to think about these movies in the, their butts into these seats, right? So we need the Destiny-style live service game. We need the uh, the thoughtful uh, discussions about the lore, but we also need uh, Hayden Christensen talking about his rat tail. You know what I mean? Like, we need all of it. We need literally just like a quadruple prong marketing sphere to get butts into these seats. Because these movies are, are just... They're so much. They're just like a, they're, they're like a Christmas store, you know? Like, you just don't know what you're going to get in there. Are you going to get like a beautiful snow globe or are you going to get like a, a Santa nutcracker where the, you put the nut in his butt, you know? Like, what are you going to get? You don't know. And that's very hard to market. Oh, God. I think that's actually the the most accurate and realistic way that that sort of redistribution would have to be. Uh, wrangled um and again this is why they should make us disney executives uh, maybe you know what got... fuck it fuck it throw out everything we just said just throw out everything we just said <laughs> never <Ready>? mind <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're fucking 
scrap all of it. Do what it should be. It should be 30 second spots on TV of people like us sitting down. Why do you like the prequels? Uh, one time Hayden Christensen said the sand line that was really good. And then the next ad would just be you going, listen, like what happens when there's like a race of people created just to be soldiers, right? And it cuts you off in the middle of sense. And I want like a series of ads of just people like us just like live trying to communicate what these movies are. Because they're inscrutable. <laughs> they're insane. Uh, just like Anakin did to the sand people, you've <laughs> murdered me. Because I'm on TV and like the John Oliver void trying to explain the Clone Wars. Oh god. I'd watch that movie. Oh god. Layla, when uh-huh. we're not trying to rehabilitate one of America's most uh, memefied movie series, where can people find you on the internet? I'm really tempted for this one to say we can't because I feel like <laughs> I don't want Star Wars people to come after if they find these podcasts for my incredible ordering of my enjoyment of these films. But uh, you, can, you can find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Tumblr and Twitter, not Instagram. We're done with Instagram. Um, and uh, I write essays. Uh, you can go to my website, LaylaMamadova.com, and you can also talk to me about my webcomic that I'm going to restart in the next couple of months, astralheartcomic.com. Aaron, where can people find you? You can find me on the internet at AaronSXL on Twitter. Um, but also, um, you can listen to the other podcasts I do at The Bible Boys. Uh, hopefully, we'll have released a new episode by the time this podcast airs. Who can say? We're all very busy in July. Um, our um, theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. Find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, how do we say goodbye to the galaxy far, far away? Monsters out there leaking in here. We saw sinking in no power. <laughs> I hate Jaja so much. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>